0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. It's just you and me today. Uh, I am krupa Steve Krupa is fine and, uh, and doing well. But uh, due to uh, scheduling and such, we had a few cancellations of podcast guests, so we're, we're back to restocking the podcast pool. But we didn't want to uh, leave you empty-handed. Uh, we really are enjoying the momentum that's building behind the podcast, and we want to uh, keep, uh, keep you coming. So I uh, dipped into our, our interview files, our, our, our pool of interviews that we did at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit where I talked with Annie Lamont. Uh, Annie is managing partner of Oak HCFT, which, of course, spun out of Oak Investment Partners back in 2014. And the reason I'm running Annie's uh, interview, other than it was a really great interview, and she's a, a great leader in healthcare, is that they announced this week they're raising their second fund. They have a hard cap of $600 million. Uh, they're targeting $500 million, so we know that'll end up somewhere probably closer to, to $600 million, we hope at least. And uh, they're going to continue to focus on uh, on healthcare and on fintech. So, Annie and I again had a great chat at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit in Boston. We talked about uh, new insurance models, talked about uh, Oak HCFT's origins, and uh, and and he sort of speculated some other areas where um, technology really could could bring some disruption to some uh, some sort of peripheral. Uh, spaces within healthcare, uh, sort of like we've seen with uh, with behavioral health, an area that hadn't typically received a lot of attention from investments, but now, due to the uh, the advent of of great technologies, is, uh, is seeing quite a bit. And uh, to that point, Annie moderated a panel on behavioral health, and we'll run that video uh, in this week's breaking health newsletter, so you can watch that. And uh, watch that panel discussion at the Digital Health Innovation Summit, and listen to the interview with Annie Lamont. So I hope you enjoy this uh, this conversation. Thanks again for checking in, and we'll be back next week uh, with another uh, tale of innovation. But let's uh, let's hear what Annie has to say. <laughs> Hi, this is Tom Salemi, Content Director at healthgy We're here at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Anne Lamont of Oak HCFT. And uh, I know you from Oak, and I want to hear about the new firm. Uh, you raised a fund a couple of years ago. Can you bring us up to date on uh, on how that fund is going, maybe give us some details on the fund mm-hmm. and some of the investors and your strategy?
0: Sure. So um, t- June of 2014, we raised $500 million for Oak HCFT, and... The idea was the it was the healthcare and fintech team um, from Oak Investment Partners, and our view was that it was an amazing time and the transformation of both of these industries. I mean, you're talking about a combined thirty percent of the GDP, um, and you've had five times as many companies created in the last five years mm-hmm. uh, in both of these sectors. And so, we really wanted to go deep in both of these areas and really have a dedicated effort. Um, so we've gone from, you know, three partners to uh, 15 professionals. Holy focused molly. Focused in these two areas. Wow. Um, and have invested in 15 companies during that uh, two, two and a half years. Um, and it's a combination. I mean, our view is we go w- early to late. You know, We'll go all the way from a raw startup like Quartet all the way to a, a, a buyout, which, which we did, just did in LDI in mm-hmm. the specialty pharma area. And it's really just being involved with the best entrepreneurs and the best ideas and the fastest growth areas to go after the pain points in healthcare.
1: Healthcare and fintech there almost there's a great overlap there because so much of yeah. the healthcare struggles is financial. Yeah, um, exactly. How much of when you're looking at healthcare are you looking at those financial solutions between payers and providers, or are you also <laughs> looking at therapeutic opportunities?
0: No, we are not. So um, I did invest in biotech in the 80s, Watch 90s. The digital therapeutic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so digital therapeutics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our view is we're not product centric. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we are very, we want to avoid the FDA, we want to avoid <laughs> reimbursement, regulatory issues at all times. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, we want to get money back in a certain period of time and not have binary outcomes. Um, and so we're very much focused on technology enabled solutions and services to, in the healthcare world, to providers, payers, pharma, and employers. And that's where we sit. And our view is in the digital healthcare, that we're we kind of bridge this. You know, we have invested. And I invested in the first hospice company, Odyssey, that was you know for-profit hospice company to go public, and um, and uh, the first Medicaid HMO that was backed by you know a venture group. And so services on the services side, we've been actively involved in the past, and we've done IT. I mean, Athena, we were the largest investor in Athena Health in 2000. Um, and so our view is that you want to get into the nexus, you, technology and services. And really focus on changing care itself. Because if you're thinking about our mission, which is lowering costs, improving quality and patient experience, it is all about getting into the bending the cost curve is going to happen Mm -hmm. between the provider system and the patient. And you just have to figure out how to get paid in that equation. Mm
1: Um, so who? Yeah. what's the touch point when you're trying to solve that problem? Is it the physician? Uh, is it the patient? Yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, the problem is
0: I actually don't. And, in fact, of the 15 companies, I don't think we have one that's selling directly to a provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, because long sales cycles, providers, it's harder to get them to pay. Um, but so most of those models, I mean, if you think about uh, Quartet and Aspire, two examples in our portfolio, um Quartet is going after the integration of behavioral health with medical health. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, um, we've treated those as two separate silos. Uh, Payers have thought about behavioral health as 5% of spend when it really influences 40% of spend. Um, And so we went – the CEO went to the payers and said – Um, you know, the high marks and Primeras and, you know, Blues of the world and said, you know, you should think about this in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a product that's going to connect primary care and the medical world with the behavioral health system. And we're going to create a platform to integrate those two worlds. And think about this in the context of 40% of your spend, not five. Um, And so the payers are actually paying them to roll out a product in the provider world.
1: I think that's been a great Result of digital health, the the attention to behavioral health, and you led a panel just Mm -hmm. now at the the Mm -hmm. conference. For so long, it was just a segregated part of healthcare that no one really touched, except for maybe a few facility uh, opportunities. But it's really great that digital health has sort of helped. Really, has brought that into the mainstream. Is it? Is are there other sort of pockets within healthcare that you think that these technologies can sort of drag out into the center?
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, a not-so-fun one is palliative care. Hmm. Um, so um, this is, you know, if you think about the end-of-life issue, we've really been talking about hospice for 20 years. And as I mentioned, I w- was involved with the first for-profit hospice company. and But it's was really inadequate benefit. And it's, you know, driven by the government. And they think of it, people think of hospice as the last moment. You know, you're giving up and you're dying and there's no... There's no curative care allowed. And so the average use of hospice is 22 days in terms of a service. But if you looked at the payer data, um, the last 18 months of life, there's a tremendous amount of Mm -hmm. one pain and – um, difficulty in, you know, we just know how hard that period is to deal with. Um, and so you've got caregivers, either family or paid caregivers, dealing with very sick patients who end up in the hospital, you know, an average of 11 times in the last year of life. I mean, it, it's extraordinary. So it's extraordinary expense, and and it's not the place that, that people want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Aspire is a company that's created a palliative care network and went to the payers and said, I'm going to look at your data. And I'm going to tell you who is probably in the last 12 months of life. Hmm, um, and then I'm going to call those patients directly on your behalf. And I'm going to say, we are here to provide you a ser- free service. We're going to provide this uh, uh, network of palliative care docs. We're going to have nurses on the phone with you. You can call 24 hours a day. And if you think there's going to be an incident or you're thinking about going to the hospital, you want any questions answered, you call us. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll either get a doctor to your home, uh, you know, a nurse, a caregiver, or just over the phone walk you through the issues or, you know, using – you know, telebehavioral health, right? I mean, we've, we have video now uh, over iPhones, you know, with, with caregivers that are instructing them how to, you know, how to take care of these patients. Um, and so it's, it is an unbelievable assist to those that are, you know, one, it's wonderful for the patients, it's wonderful for the caregivers, and all you have to do is eliminate one visit to the ER, and, and it pays for itself. It's, I mean, the, the ROI is extraordinary on it.
1: That's a great point. We're at a time in future us will be watching this video and we'll know who won the presidential election, <laughs> so I don't want to project too far, but I will no project. <laughs> <laughs> so will I. Um, but no matter who is elected, this is this is a time of great disruption in healthcare. Um and it's going to continue no matter what. In the past when that's happened, investors have shied away. In this case, everyone seems to be swimming. Right into the disruption, because mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. because it's creating greater opportunities. Mm-hmm. What's what's different now? What is what is why is this disru- disruption mm-hmm. so attractive to investors like mm-hmm. yourself?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, I and mean, I do think the Affordable Care Act, no matter what you think about what's going on in exchanges, came at the absolute right time, because you had a system. As you say, I mean, it costs just kept increasing every year, and you wondered like, what would be the tipping point? Mm -hmm. And I do think the tipping point was the Affordable Care Act, in the sense that people said, okay, now is the time we have to think about reimbursement. We're going to get reimbursed in the future. We don't know when. In a different way, we have to think about not fee for service, but getting paid for outcomes and value. And I do think that whole construct and beginning to think about bundles is, um, you know, has inspired people. To think about lowering costs, I mean employers absolutely were on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and they 're you know, looking at it, but I think they 're also realizing they can only uh, accommodate so many new companies um, and so many touch points you know they need one throat to choke in terms of <laughs> solutions they have um, and so there are but there are a lot of avenues, maybe at uh, drug pricing you know and getting transparency on prices, mm-hmm. and then you know the acceleration of them solutions there. Um, and then payers and providers. I mean, it's just a whole new world. And they, and they realize, I think also with entrepreneurs being stimulated and having a mission and having the tools um, between mobile and data and cloud. Um, to go after some of these problems. That's
1: the, the second conversation we've had today, where the the word mission was used. That the yeah. entrepreneurs are are inspired by by what they Absolutely. can do. Are you seeing an influx of new talent, capable talent, coming to healthcare because they can solve a problem that needs solving? We
0: love it. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's bringing its own issues with it. But you know, if you think about you know the last, I would say, sort of, two thousand to two thousand ten you know we were really generally dealing with a group of seasoned entrepreneurs who'd been in healthcare for a long time when we were working uh, in in healthcare companies and it is interesting in the last 3 or 4 years you've had a lot of young really smart tech talent as well as just you know young millennial talent come into the space look at issues and want to solve problems that are meaningful to them you know one more advertising you know, ad tech model is not all that interesting to them, um, and so that's been really exciting. Mm-hmm. But it also means, and it was one of the reasons we realized we had to develop this firm. Is you know, if you think about the AH model of more of a service model, we realized that these young millennials they need more help you know they don't know all the avenues they don't they don't, you know the ceo of aspire was a Rhodes scholar legislative aide to senator frist <laughs> you know he does he didn't know anybody in healthcare mm-hmm. amazingly you know he's gotten to every payer in the country and you know developed a network but recruiting so you know it's, it provides issues all the way around um, and so you need to embrace these companies with more talent from beginning to end uh, to you know give them guidance and help
1: that's great, and and finally, we we heard from Jonathan Gruber today. He talked about the ACA, and he was asked about the larger insurers that are pulling out of the exchanges, and he saw that as an opportunity for smaller insurers to move in. Do you see that? Is that one of those those vacuums that startups are going to be filling in the next couple of years? New, and we're already seeing it, but even right. more new types of insurance.
0: Well, you know, I have to say, I mean, Oscar is a new type of insurance, yep, that's and right. I don't. Well, I guess you, they filed. Some of the data, you know, they have to file. So you can see that their MLRs are almost as bad as everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though – the reality is is having a great front end doesn't mean that you've changed the cost of care in the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there are a few groups that are beginning now that are really focused on new models for care to lower costs. Um, But it's also – it's patient selection, as we know. I mean, the the dysfunctionality in the exchanges is the fact that you have adverse selection. And the average time that somebody is in an exchange is seven months. So that means that people are signing up, they have an issue, and they sign up. Mm -hmm. You know, they want surgery on their knee, they sign up for three months, then they're out. Mm -hmm. They're not paying. Um, you know, they get cancer. Or they're in
1: between jobs, or or they're in,
0: yeah, yep. yeah, that happens too. Mm-hmm. But, but um, the reality is, most of it is people taking advantage of the system. Interesting. Um, and so you have a combination of more Medicaid, not enough healthy people, and you know, sort of moving in and out on the exchanges.
1: I didn't know that people were doing that. Yeah. That's uh, that's clever. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate okay. your taking you taking some time and uh, and good for good your talk help to talk today to you, with the conference. Okay. <laughs> Well, that is a wrap. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, thanks, Annie Lamont, for sitting down with me at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit back in Boston. And uh, good luck with the uh, the new fundraising. I'm sure uh, I'm sure things will go well, and uh, we hope to have you on the podcast uh, to st- to talk specifically about the fund going forward. Uh, shout out to Steve Grupas. Sorry, uh, you didn't get to hear his uh, his dulcet tones this time around, but he will be back. So. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast.